Hello, everyone. Welcome to Starts Local, Ends Local, your local emergency management podcast about all things local emergency management. I'm your host, Nicholas Pietzort, and today I have a very special guest with me, Robert Crane, who, as I attended uh, the university, was my professor, and I'm happy to get to meet him here in person at the International Sea Burning Event 2023 here in Austin, Texas. Uh, hello, Robert. How are you doing? I'm hey, doing well, Nick. Glad, to, uh, glad we're reconnecting. Absolutely. It's great to see you in person. Uh, thank you uh, for the opportunity to uh, talk uh, with your fellow Missourians. It's good to reconnect um, uh, both with, through the University of Central Missouri. And I think, as you well know, I'm now um, program executive for public engagement at um, Sam Houston State University down here in Texas. So welcome to Texas. Yeah, thank you very much. And what a beautiful state it is. Great weather. And especially since uh, at the conclusion of this conference, we're going to have an exercise. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, tomorrow as well. But we've listened to some really good speakers talk about uh, preparedness and response to see Bernie events. And uh, so maybe you can tell me a little bit about uh, some of the highlights that you've taken away from our conference over the last two days. Yeah, what the uh, the most important part I think that that you know is a refresher every one of these meetings is how important interoperability and and coordination among um, your your uh, community partners and that includes your government, your uh, industry partners. Plus, uh, don't overlook you know those um, uh, social organizations, whether they're churches or whether it's Red Cross or. You know, working together, um, you have to think about both the preparedness side and the response side. And I th- while we talked a lot about response, how important the preparedness side is, which is really the prevention, uh, protection, um, and the readiness level that um, you can have. So it's a good opportunity to refresh those plans, go open them up, take a look at them, see what um, needs to be done where those gaps are and then try to fill those gaps. And I think that's um, where it was great to hear different perspectives of areas uh, around the country, around the, the, the globe here, share uh, thoughts about what is important in their plan, what, what is important in their response. And then, um, you know, it, all is, it really is focusing on your community and the and the citizens. I totally agree. In fact, it was so nice to get to work with and uh, listen to the perspectives of our, um, you know, nonprofit and profit partners, you know, non-government agencies and government agencies, uh, not just here in the United States, but internationally, you know, uh, uh, listening to how the hospitals over in the United Kingdom and how they uh, interact with one another and how that differs from what we do, yet the planning is so important and the planning remains the same, uh, especially when talking about having, uh, you know, mass events mm-hmm. and having these, uh, you know, sea uh, burning incidents that could possibly occur and, and making sure you're prepared for that as best you can, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. Uh, and just hearing their perspectives that really do mimic what we're doing here in the States. Well, I think the important point is we're not predicting that bad things are going to happen here. These are just factors. We know the capabilities and intent exist to disrupt our critical infrastructure, our networks, uh, our way of life, as we've seen in the last week. So what's important is, is not so much that we're predicting the next thing is going to happen 
as much as it's an opportunity to open up those plans, reinvigorate uh, your relationships um, with, within your communities. And then I think also to focus on personal preparedness, how important it is that we as uh, professional you know, response and preparedness folks is how well are we prepared to be able to help others? I go back to the, the airline analogy, uh, the safety warning, where they say to put on your mask first before helping someone else. And how important that is in our profession is that we have to be personally prepared. And what does that mean is taking care of your family, making sure your comms plan's good. Um, DHS has a great, uh, FEMA has a great w website called ready.gov. How important it is that every first responder, the, every first protector in our community is prepared to help um, uh, in times of crisis. Again, we're not predicting it. We just know the intent and capabilities exist to disrupt our communities and we need to be better prepared. I agree with that and I'll take it a step further in saying not only does our government need to prepare as we're doing and going to these conferences and collaborating with our colleagues but also on a personal level right uh, I always tell the story about how my wife absolutely hated the fact that I would uh, ask her about uh, where the nearest exits were you know from my for, former law enforcement background uh, you know I always was interested in where those exits were and if something happened right now where would we go? And I would stop in the supermarket and say, where would we go right now? And she would hate it. She asked, Nick, stop it, right? Uh, but I also look at those as a way that when you go into a new environment, you know, um, you know, like the example we have here at the hotel, making sure you know where the stairwells are, because we use the elevators all the time. And so getting to a point at which you know where the stairwells are, so that if you are woken up at three in the morning, you at least know a general direction at which to turn uh, that would get you towards those stairwells. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. And having that carry on, if we can be personally prepared, you know, that will help us in response and recovery uh, for our government partners when uh, they're they're responding on that level as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think the the the, the big takeaway from this um, uh, conference, again, is um, is the interoperable um, communication, interoperable coordination interoperable, it, it, it takes a community, it, it takes um, uh, industry, it takes uh, government, it takes our social service uh, organizations, but they all have to come together and prepare for these eventualities. And so the more they're prepared, the better they are um, in the execution of these plans. And so I go back to a former uh, Coast Guard Commandant, uh, James Loy, where, you know, uh, 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 pre uh, preparation equals performance. So the more you're prepared, the more you exercise your plan, the more you update your plan, the more you um, you create a habit out of it more so than um, just making that a special event. It's if you practice and, and continue to um, have that vigilance where the doors are, where your exit strategies are, keeping you know sober um, uh, in your intent, then you're more likely to be able to prepare, be able to execute those plans in, in um, uh, the right you know, uh, frame of mind. That's absolutely right. Well, I, I want to thank you again for joining me here. As, uh, you know, we're at the C. Bernie International Conference 2023 in Austin, Texas. Is there any final thoughts you have for us? Anything that you want to give us as, as we take away from this conference and uh, go from this our second day into our uh, exercise tomorrow? Sure. Um, I would say that one of the things that 
we've been focusing both at University of Central Missouri and Sam Houston State is credentials of value. How important it is to continue to be lifelong learners in the evolution of our profession. Things have changed. I've been in this profession for 40 years. Um, you know, so much has changed over the last 40 years. We're going to have evolving threats. We're going to have evolving um, um, groups that form that want to do harm. We have um, mental health issues. We have a whole lot of societal issues that, that we have to address. But the key to being a professional is uh, keeping up your credentials, keeping up. And so I would really encourage anyone um, that's going to stay in this profession is to continue to um, get better at what they already know, you know, adding on to that. But if there's something that takes them outside of their comfort zone so they can understand opposing um, viewpoints or whatever, is take those classes, take those courses that help you better, um, uh, you know, uh, get your credentials and, and become no, more knowledgeable about the society as a whole. And it, it, uh, it really, I, I really, you got to be committed to a lifelong uh, learning in this profession. I agree with that. Absolutely. And uh, in the program at which you taught with business continuity, uh, I mean, how poignant was that, especially post-COVID? Mm -hmm. when we tested uh, our continuity or lack of continuity plans at that time. And now, you know, we use them uh, and are developing more and more continuity within both uh, the public sector and in the private Exactly. Well, I appreciate your time. Right. Thank you very much, sir. And right. uh, you have a good one. And uh, hopefully you can join me again as a guest as we are uh, at the Seaburny International Conference 2023 in Austin, Texas. Hello, everyone, and I have with me now Kayla Sawson, who is from New York City's Emergency Management Agency, and she does the C. Bernie Planning and Preparedness Management. All right. Well, welcome, Kayla. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So we've learned quite a bit at our 2023 International C. Bernie Conference, and uh, for those who... Um, might not know, I mean, that's that's where we met, but for those who might not know, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about what you do day to day and then about the conference itself and maybe some lessons we take away from it. So uh, so what is your position as the Seabirney Planning Manager? That's a great question. So a lot of what we do at NYTHAM is planning and coordination. So as the Seabirney Planning Program Manager, um, I coordinate all citywide plans um, and protocols. So I work across agencies with the fire department, the police department, um, the health department to really get their expertise to put into our citywide plans. Um, a lot of our plans outline the roles and responsibilities for a seaburn incident. Um, they're not going to be super, super technical. Uh, we really do leave that to the other the agencies to have their own protocols and policies on how their response is really structured. But we fit all of these um, policies and plans into our citywide incident management system. And uh, we just kind of try to capture um, what the response is. And it's incredibly important to have that coordination between you know the experts 
uh, in the fire and law enforcement and emergency medical services to get their input on the plan and really make it theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I've noticed, at least from the emergency management side of things, is uh, giving them ownership over the plan. And like you said, um, you know, we always take that 30,000 foot view because most of the plans that I've worked on are, you know, for the emergency operations center. Mm -hmm. So they're uh, emergency operations plans. And, uh, you know, just the distinction in that is I'm not telling units where to go. Mm -hmm. I'm just identifying that there's units available for a certain task. Right. And that's kind of the core of emergency management, right? We're really just trying to capture their roles and responsibilities. What's happening when? Who's responsible for this? What assets do we have? What capabilities do we have? When do we need to call in backup? Um, that's really what we're capturing, especially with Seaburn responses. Um, Seaburn is such a vast field and there's so many different components to any Seaburn response. And if you just take, you know, a RAD nuke response versus a ChemBio response, they're all going to be very different um, and have a lot of different players and resources and components to that. But I, when you kind of think about Seaburn planning, we're really just trying to capture who does what and why it's important. Um, and that's a really fantastic thing to do. I think it's really important. And that coordination piece um, is useful across the board um, yeah, for all absolutely. agencies. Well, and um, what I have found so valuable at this event is just the networking between mm -hmm. other partners yeah. and realizing that uh, you know it's it's such a small world and we all seem to be facing very similar issues, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to um, managing and preparing for Sea Bernie events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it something that struck me from the conference is the way that we're all kind of doing the same sort of planning and we're all running into a lot of similar issues, right? Uh, one of the panels they fire departments were talking about how they're siloed and they don't really have a lot of good coordination and communication across their divisions. And that's something that I think is universal for I, all of our agencies really in the city and that's something we're trying to work to break down. And I think it's always useful to highlight those challenges um, to make them more approachable almost. Um, and that's something, you know, we're working with the city trying to um, just increase our communication across all of our agencies from the cities and the state and the federal level. Um, we were launching working groups. We're just holding informal meetings just to make sure that people understand what our capabilities are between agencies and what we can do and what we can't do. Um, and that's something that, you know, when we come to some of these conferences, it's also super invaluable. Um, because I can see where the gaps are in other states and other cities. And then I can kind of take that back to New York and say, all right, well, I know, notice that Austin might have this issue. Is that something that we have here? And, you know, how, how can we work through it? Um, That's a great point. Yeah. Because I was going through our exercise this morning and we were, of course, not participants. We were just observers. And watching how everything played out, and I'm thinking to myself, how can I scale this in such a way that I can bring something back to my community? And, and I think there's a ton of points just like that that I've picked up through the conference 
where I've gone, oh, okay, you know, we're having that issue too. Or uh, the dry contaminant, uh, our, our dry decontamination versus okay. doing the wet decontamination. I had a very good conversation with one of our partners from Boise who we were talking about, well, what do we do with the, the water after we, mm -hmm. you know, decontaminate? And, uh, and, and we were just kind of spring, springboarding ideas off of each other to try to uh, figure out those points because that really is something that is still up for debate. Mm -hmm. and, and it's good to collaborate with our partners um, here and realize that, uh, you know, uh, I'm not as far behind as I thought I was mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of areas. And at the same time, um, you know, we can offer that collaboration and, and give our ideas uh, that might actually help other departments and, and other agencies around not just the United States, but, you know, our partners overseas as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that D that GCON piece was really interesting to me because one of the things that we're working on right now with the city is our community reception center protocol. Uh, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm consistently impressed with the expertise and knowledge that is in the city agencies, you know, the fire department, the health department, the Department of Environmental Protection, there's all of these um, folks, and of course the police department, you know, they all have just such a wealth of knowledge of an understanding of, you know, their core competencies. And when we bring it together for a protocol like this, it's just really fascinating to see how all of these pieces fit together. And, you know, the community reception center protocols, we're doing this for a radi radiological event. So it's really just to screen and decon and support population monitoring. Um, and so as we, you know, talk through where that waste goes, that was very, just really interesting to see um, how some of our agencies just feel, you know, like, all right, well, they know what they're doing. And that's something that um, I think we can share with uh, other cities who are struggling or just have that challenge of trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, In so, my area, yeah. we also have those decontamination questions because we have a nuclear power plant. Mm -hmm. And so we have a cycle of training at which we go through. And so we open up reception sites as well. And one mm -hmm. of the uh, sites are located within our county. And um, it's, it's interesting to hear about uh, military's uh, approach to decontamination and integrating automated decontamination. I thought mm -hmm. that was a very interesting presentation and something that uh, truly in the way of uh, maybe, maybe not AI as it stands now, but in uh, robotics, we certainly have the technology at a cost now where we might be able to, within the next couple of years, uh, get a system that decontaminates from a distance mm -hmm. and not putting those responders next to the contaminant mm -hmm. uh, or um, maybe even having that monitoring system attached. So then the uh, robotics could do the monitoring for us mm -hmm. and we could be at a safe location uh, just making sure that uh, the decontamination process is, is complete or to the level, uh, as they pointed out earlier, uh, it's never to zero, but it's, but it's right. to the acceptable levels at which you know, we expect. Yeah, and that's something that I, one of the reasons I loved coming to these conferences is because you can hear about the new tech that's being developed and trying to figure out ways to make it applicable to your jurisdiction. Uh, you know, if we could do remote decon for a rad event, that would be fantastic, right? That would yeah, be, it'd be outstanding. really amazing. 
Um, and just to know that something that is being worked on and could potentially come to the civilian side uh, is really fantastic and amazing to know. Well, Kayla, I want to thank you very much for joining me and giving me a little bit of your time before you hop on a plane and head back <laughs> to New York City. So thank you again. It was a pleasure meeting you and hopefully we'll stay in touch. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. All right. Hello everyone, I have with me here the CEO and founder of Intelligence Sec, Martin Hill. And uh, Martin, really, this event has brought so many people together within the US. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed my time at the 2023 International Sea Bernie Summit. And I really appreciate you bringing that over here. Uh, for those who don't uh, have familiarity with you, can you please introduce yourself and a little bit about um, what you and your company do? Sure, yes. Yeah, so, nice to be here, Nick. So basically, um, my company, we've been going for 12 years now. Uh, I set it up when I was 24 years old. Um, and we just grew in the area of just defense and security events. That Basically, the main aim when we first started the business was to make the world a safer place because the world is getting smaller and smaller globalization so we thought right we need to make it a safer place so many things going on in the world constantly in news and part of the events is to try and get like you said people together to discuss the problems and challenges that we have um and that's how it all came about really um a bit of my background really my um my dad was in navy with the royal navy so i was always moving house always changing house every two three years um and i really wanted to join the um, british army uh, when i was younger even actually trained, the whole training to be an officer in the army. But it was right at the start of the Iraq war when I was there, and literally I was just like, oh, I don't think, I just don't think I should do this. Right. Um, but I still wanted to work in the military security area because I have such a passion for it. And that's how it kind of all started, really. I mean, um, just basically the first year was just basically setting up, building up contacts, making sure that people knew who we were and what we were trying to achieve. and went from there really and it's just like yeah now we're in our 12th year so it's going that's excellent and this is your third U u.s event for sea bernie correct yes. and uh, i believe was your first one in uh nevada in yeah in las vegas um we did that um just after covid um and then um did it in denver uh last year and then this year we're in austin which is great. So that's wonderful. Uh, and you've already announced a date for next year yes. and a uh, location. Yes. So next year is in October on the 8th to 10th and it's in Phoenix in Arizona. So that's we try to use big hubs, big cities that have need to kind of security and safety of their people and civilians basically. Well, I can tell you, we've had such wonderful hosts here in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate uh, all the participants that have come in from this city. They've been just wonderful to all of us. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's one thing whenever you host a big international conference and exhibition in the in a city, you need to make sure that your your hosts are in support of it. If they're not in support of it, you're kind of left on your own a little bit, and you won't get the full experience of the networking, the people to, the togetherness. And I think being in Texas, I think Texans are very um, forthcoming people. They're very happy. They're very friendly. They, they jump on board anything and. Um, I think they, they, they say we do anything bigger and better than any other state. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very passionate about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a great experience here. Yeah. Well, Southern hospitality was in full force. Yes, yes. definitely. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know we had talked earlier a little bit about how the collaborations between 
not only us as locals, but now with this event, mm. you know, uh, having national and international yep. uh, and talking just about how we're all dealing with problems. What, it, what it's brought to me and what, what this summit has really helped me realize is uh, we're all in the same boat, you know, and there's there's problems that I experience that are experienced in uh, Rio de, de Janeiro. There's problems in the United Kingdom, you know, mm. and, and in those areas where, um, you know, in, in my mind, I think, oh, I'm so far behind, and I see that my partners have the same struggles I do. Yep. And in some ways, it's reassuring to know that we're all fighting the battle at the ground level and, and trying to become uh, sharper at this and, and more prepared and have our communities be more prepared. Oh, uh, 100%. That's completely correct. I mean, the thing, like you said, we're always getting a smaller face, but, if, but still, you don't get to see it. I mean, like from here, from London, for me, it's a 10 hour, 10 over a 10 hour flight. So just to hop on a buffer plane, it's a long way. But we all have the same problems. Every country has the same problems. So here at this event, we've had the uh, Brazilian Rio de Janeiro uh, EOD squad um, have major problems with IEDs, things like that, which um, we saw the Austin bomber case that happened. That's right. Exactly the same kind of issues, same problems, same how to respond, stuff like that. Uh, had a lot of the UK guys here, how do you respond to instance, like a, a nerve agent like we had in Salisbury, how we responded to it. We got, UK got criticised so badly how we handled that. But if it happened here in the US, I think they'll have exactly the same problems that we yes, had. And, I agree. And it's all about lessons learned. It's all about like learning from like your allies, learning from your neighbors. Learning how, how did that country deal with that? How did you, how did you do that? And, um, and every, I mean, every country is different how they do things, but also they all have the same problems, the same kind of procedures in a, in a way. Like, um, and that's another thing what we try to do. We try to look at where are the gaps in is it gaps in technology is it gaps in uh, people is it gaps in communication between different agencies and that's the whole point of what i'm trying to achieve is to make sure that there it's there's no kind of like oh no i'm better than you i'm better than it's nothing like that. it's like we need you to help us out stand like shoulder to shoulder and we can do this together and that's that's exactly what it felt like yeah it felt like i had comrades and brothers yep here in the room, you know, brothers and sisters, I don't mean to exclude anyone, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the room that I could reach out to and, and I had no problem whatsoever um, talking to anyone. Everyone yeah. wanted to share information exactly. uh, and there was a great exchange. I, I love the fact that I now have contacts with uh, some specialities that I can go to and say, hey, we talked about this at the conference. Is there anything you can help me in maybe planning yeah. or preparing for yeah. uh, any sort of drills, exercises, or plans that Absolutely. I'm having? Absolutely. Or even if you come up with something where you've seen something, you think, wow, I've never seen this before. Maybe I'll right. pick up the phone and speak to someone in the UK. Have you seen anything like this before? How did you deal with this? And I right. build up exactly like, right. And that's what it's all about. It's exactly that. And that's what it's. And like, I think actually um, Chief Baker from the Austin Fire Department did his opening address, said it perfectly. He said, Sit next to you. Who's next to you? Look to your left. Look to your right. Do you know who they are? If you know who they are, move seats. Move to someone who you don't know and talk to strangers. Like, and then you learn from each other. There's no point sitting to someone who you know because you know each other and what you do. Sit next to someone completely different. And then that's how you build up a community. And like I said, like, it is like a community. And you need to build that. And that makes things makes this world a safer place if you can do that. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, to your point, uh, the world is getting smaller yeah. and incidents um, of different styles of incidents uh, might have the scenario uh, be different. But, you know, uh, the chemicals, uh, the motivations, you know, those are all the same. Mm. And so knowing how to deal with um, face value of incident and, and coming at it at a perspective that um, 
is best practices that's you know maybe from someone else unfortunately you know we we learn the best from tragedy yeah but with that you know we can all be stronger agencies exactly. because of it absolutely you're spot on. you learn people learn from tragedies that have happened and i think that the mindset has to be changed a little bit where actually governments need to look at things and think like okay it's going to cost you money but that could happen look at right. covid the pandemic we lessons learned from that should be that hospitals should be stockpiled yes maximum with vaccines with tablets whatever they just have a, a whole kind of decon area for any kind of patients like this and like it just needs to be but you've got to persuade governments and to spend their budget and money on things that haven't happened yet but Correct. could happen and that's the that's the challenge that's the biggest challenge i think i know it's getting quite political that's quite political but that is the biggest issue because people are like no i'm not going to spend that money because I haven't, got, I haven't got a bottle of spit of money anyway, and right. I'm not going to spend it on something that's never happened. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times, you know, when you're doing that analysis of, you know, what is the risk, you know, what, what threats are fa mm. we're facing, uh, and, and you do that return on investment, mm. the, the incidents which have the uh, lowest return on investment are going to be the ones that don't happen often, yep. but you're putting uh, resources into mm. to prevent. Yep. And I think just having those preventative measures in place and, and realizing that mm. again, we're in such a small world, you yeah. know, and, and we're all facing the same issues. Yep. Now you also have um, other uh, events that you host and uh, internationally. Yep. And so, uh, would you like to talk a little bit about some of those events and, yeah. and what those mean to you as well? Of course. So basically, um, I started up this business right after I lived in Singapore. So I lived in Singapore for eighteen months, and um, our first few events that we did were in in Southeast Asia, in Malaysia, in Thailand, in security because I had a good market there. People knew who I was. Then uh, we were back in the UK. We built up our network in, in the European events, and um, we do things on cyber intelligence um, with the cyber, the cyber with AI now, and blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Cyber's a new the black market, it's a big um, dark net. I mean, it's so much you can talk about in cyber. So, that's another big area. That's where we first launched, it was in cyber security stuff. Um, and that kind of, and also then that kind of went into border security things because cyber kind of got into border with the, with, e-gates now, biometric yep. passports, everything like that. So it kind of crossed over. So we then created a border security event. And um, that's grown and grown and grown. We've actually, we ended up selling that that part of our business because mm -hmm. to another company, but we know we're on the board of that company still, and we're still advising it um, because it was just getting so big and it's done so well. And borders, since 9-11, borders have just changed. Oh, yeah. And then COVID's changed. Now all of a sudden, everyone's got to have a health document as well as linked to their passport. It's just like, it's crazy. and. Um, even for us in the UK now, borders we've we've left the EU. So also now we have to apply for visas, like um, we right. can do for US, like Esther's basically to go into Europe, and it's so everything changes at the border. So that's always a rapid thing that we do. Um, CBRNE, we started up really well in Europe um, and in Asia, and then like I said, it's been three years now we're in the US um, because it took a while to build up our network of US officials um, um, from our European events that they came over to. Um, and also, since we've been in the US, is actually now as our probably they are our biggest market now. The US, I spend half my year in the US now, which is it's great. <laughs> I love being over here. Um, so um, we also do a hypersonic event in Rocket City in Huntsville, in that's Alabama. Wonderful. Yeah, so that's I'm going there in a couple of weeks' time. So um, we're definitely doing more in America now. Um, 
been launching a satellite surveillance event too as well, which is going to be excellent. in Rome and then we're going to bring it to the US as well. So yeah, lots of travel, lots. So literally, there's only missed myself and my wife. That's it. We live in a small little town just outside uh, Milton Keynes in the Midlands of the UK, and um, yeah, we literally work in Asian hours, European hours, American hours. So it's long days and <laughs> sometimes. But. That's awesome. Well, we love to have you over here. Yeah. And especially, um, you know, it's so poignant, cybersecurity mm-hmm. and how that affects everything we do over Your here. Daily there's, life. There's yeah. wonderful um, um, reports of how there's been disruption activities mm-hmm. in like uh, Atlanta, you yeah. know, where, where we had a large scale um, a cyber event that caused that city uh, to then try to, um, you know, pay to get their data back, yeah. you know, and, yep. and this happens all over the place. And, yep. and a lot of the times it's not talked about, you know, nope. because that could cause issues both with our, uh, you know, corporate or profit partners, yep. but also in governments, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. certainly don't want to appear as if you've uh, created a scenario at which, um, you know, the people lose confidence and trust in what you can provide and your security. Absolutely. It's, it's, what I find in cybersecurity, um, which is a real fine line, because if you do have that where they take lots of data and they, they charge a ransomware, you to say, you got to pay us all back, and they charge a city or state, you've got to pay back all this money, and they'll give you back your data. In a way, you could class it as you negotiate with terrorists, which yes. no one does. But also you've got to think about, you've got all your city civilians all they've got hold of all their data, their, their healthcare stuff, their yeah. banking information, everything, the things about their kids or whatever, where their kids go to school. Like, Absolutely. And so it's getting that fine line where, like, House in the UK, you and the US, you don't negotiate with terrorists. So do you have to pay that ransomware to protect your civilians? Right. Or do you just keep it harsh, harsh, do it on the sly and just not tell anybody and, like, make sure it all goes away? But right. it's, that's where it's a very fine line. And that's where intelligence agencies need to really, like, ramp up the threats around around the world really but like i say you come from anywhere we had it in ireland a few years ago where their whole health service got completely hacked and ransomware you got over billions and billions of euros um and we had people's like they were changing um patients medical records and stuff like that so the hospitals were getting confused who's what it's just i mean it's that's not very nice people in the world and that's that was uh, quite i think in the end the irish government had to kind of pay something because and in the time technology mm. moves, it's hard for our education systems, our universities to catch up yeah, and to train the next generation who's going to stop those attacks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost impossible mm. just because technology develops so quickly. Exactly. And it's the it's same as the CBONE. It's to persuading government, persuading military, persuading people to, in, high up in who deal with, the, the, deal with the, the accounts and the finance that this could happen. You're going to have to spend the money because it could happen. But the big thing is it could. And that's sometimes where officials say, oh, it could happen, but I'm going to wait till it actually happens, then we'll sort it out. And, that, right. and that's the mindset you've got, we've got to try and change. It's quite it's tough. The yeah. recipe for disaster when you wait for bad things to happen. Yes, it is. But I think if anything in the world goes down to money and what can afford it, I think governments are going to notice much more important things they need to put money on until that actually happens. Right. right. Exactly. But it's we're getting there, I think. After the pandemic, I think, especially in the UK, um, our health service, our NHS, are starting to realise that actually we need to upgrade our hospitals. We need to make sure we've got stockpiles of this, stockpiles of that. And I think we heard it this week when the fire department or the EMS guy said, we've got stack loads of hand sanitizer, stack loads of masks because of 
that's what we needed for the time. Right. And now we are prepared for another right, thing like that. But if something else happens, then maybe they're not prepared. So it's... Yeah, well, and I was also interested in the fact that, uh, you know, with our like CNS supplies mm-hmm. uh, and our uh, Kimpac kits and things yep. like that, um, the conversation that we've had so long in Missouri mm-hmm. is the same conversation they're having in Texas. Right. You know, that, that yes, it is strategically deployed, but what strategy is it when you can't get it to the patient fast enough? Yes. And then your strategy becomes, well, what you're really doing is you're trying to uh, administer it to the responders who responded to the patient in understanding that there might be uh, some loss. Yeah. And, uh, and so sitting and talking through those issues, it's like, well, that's exactly what we're talking about in Missouri. How can we be better at deploying these things? You know, because... Uh, you know, what is the likelihood of having a nerve agent, you yeah. know? I mean, yes, it is very mm. small. Mm. But the one time at which you need it, you don't want to wait 45, 50, 60 minutes no. for that to come to you yeah. uh, because it might be too late. Exactly. Yeah. So Absolutely. great conversations that we had here at this conference. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely right. It's all about lessons that are making sure, trying to get to your first responder as quick as you can, like, um, in this talk about the nerve agent stuff and really had an obvious shock in Salisbury the first person on the scene was a police officer he, yeah. he saw the people sitting there on the bench and thankfully the first thing he did was think like a paramedic and put gloves like the surgical gloves on wonderful but unfortunately for him they weren't the, the thick enough they have because you have different levels of gloves and he didn't put right. enough thickest ones on he was like testing them checking them alive um and then yeah, he caught he caught it as well, and unfortunately then died later. But right. because the response to him was a good twenty minutes, maybe thirty minutes to get someone else for him. they called for paramedics and backup. It took a little bit longer for them to get there, and that's what unfortunately. Well, then down the line when he got to the hospital, things like that, it was just, it was just, it was just too late. It was the response time was, was slow. It's unfortunate mm. that, that those lessons learned again, you know, are, yeah. are at the expense of a life. Of yeah. life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A first responder. Yeah. Especially. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, Martin, thank you very much for uh, coming on and speaking with me and talking about your company and uh, this event. I, I absolutely love this and uh, hope to uh, come to more in the future. Yep. And so please, um, I always like to leave my guests with a parting word. Is there anything that you have that you'd like to express to the audience? No, just like um, it's um, love being in America. I love doing events over here. I think the American people are lovely, not just here in Texas, but across the US. Um, and if there's any country in the world that really put security first, it's definitely Americans. They're, they're, like, they, they're brothers, sisters in arms. They work together. It's, it's, it's just, as a British person, it's so lovely to see. And I think how passionate people are about it. And I wish other countries in the world would just like this, like, like like the US guys are so and women so yeah no it's great to be here thanks Nick for your time it's been great. absolutely I appreciate your invite here and I appreciate you coming onto the podcast and talking to my audience about this summit yeah. and uh, we want to try to get people next yeah. year in Phoenix yes absolutely and, uh, yeah. the Sea Burning Summit's coming 100%, up 100% yes 100 um, yep hope you see all your Phoenix spread the word people it's in the 8th to 10th um, in Arizona so even hotter than here so yeah <laughs> so yeah um yeah definitely spread the word as much as you can all right thank you again thank you. sir and uh we'll talk to you next year yeah. that's a wrap of this episode of starts local ends local i hope you can join us for our next episode in the meantime if you could give us a like or stars 
and follow us to make sure that you're always getting the newest episodes of Starts Local, Ends Local. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next time.